Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to A Life in Dublin. I'm your host Mark and with your permission we'd love this podcast to be your digital companion for the next little bit at least. In this episode, I was joined by Joy from Italy. We had an amazing conversation which ranged from finding her community in Dublin, changing Italian culture, sound therapy, and much more in between. To you, the listener, thank you so much for being here with us. I really do not take your attention for granted. If you're enjoying the show, it would mean so much to me if you could share it with a friend or maybe give us a rating or a view. It helps more than you could know. But now, here's my conversation with Joy because we spoke before like you we can't remember exactly when you played for us but it was one of our first ever shows actually and um, I think it might have been in January or February because we started the shows in January um, and if you, you you weren't the first but you were one of the first I can't remember okay. if there was that many people even there when you were playing um, but obviously yeah. it's kind of grown a bit since then Um Anyway, we spoke then, I and mean, we actually did like a little mini podcast that evening. Mm-hmm. And uh, you've got an interesting story. Even I remember the way you were, you described some songs that you were playing, mm-hmm. um, and the story that you gave to the songs. They were quite funny. In, in, in a, <laughs> I don't mean funny, but like they were obviously like very emotional things for you. Uh, but the way you described it was was humorous, and everybody got engaged, and it was very good. Um, well, what brought you to Dublin, and why Dublin? Um, okay, uh, Dublin because it's Ireland, and okay. I grew up. Uh, so I start from like ages. Uh, I grew up in the in a little town in the countryside of Italy, in the middle of nothing, where randomly every summer there was a festival, a music festival, based um, based around Irish music, Irish trad music. Oh, so wow. no in pubs, restaurants bars for three days during the summer the whole day every every hour of the day there were irish trad trad musicians playing everywhere so for me that was ireland you know yeah i never been to ireland before i decided to move here never been to dublin i I went to uk for other things for traveling and, and everything but never in ireland so i just came here with two luggages and a cello to move here <laughs> because I wanted to learn trad music because yeah. I grew up with that festival in my mind, you know, and with that idea of Ireland. And then here I, I started a little bit to learn a bit of tunes and I liked it. Mm-hmm. But I discovered that actually there's so much more that can offer Dublin music-wise. So okay. Actually, I discovered that the product Dublin is not like the best style for trad music. It's more no. around Galway and Limerick. Um, so eventually I moved there as well. No, I didn't move there, but I went there a few times to, to see the real musicians, you know, to be in, in, in that environment. But then when I came here, I discovered jam sessions. I discovered open mics and I started to go to these places and I started to work with Joy more when I was here in Ireland. Mm. And 
So yeah, music brought me here, wow. randomly. Yeah. What, what part of Italy exactly are you from? I'm close to Bologna, Ferrara is okay. called the name. Okay. And there is a huge street music festival there as well, where, where I played. And do you, do you know times. why there was like an Irish music festival there? This is a really political reason, okay. <laughs> but like, um, there is a rice party in Italy, Lega, Lega Nord is called. And my little town was the only um, the only town in the whole in all my region which had that political party at the moment, and it's a right extreme right party. Okay. And they truly believe that my part of Italy comes from genetics, okay. which is actually there. Are, there are some sedimentics, there are some archaeological sites, just a really small part. And the major of the town was really into Ireland. They're really into traditional Irish music, and he organized this festival every. That is very random. It's so <laughs> random, I know. I mean, I enjoyed it because for me, it was like growing up. Think about think about yourself as being a teenager and have I don't know, uh, music from a country so far away from where you are, from where you are. Because Ireland for me was totally somewhere where I would never be, you know, yeah. so far, and yeah. then see these people, and then the dances as well. The Irish dances was. Mm. Wow, it was like living in Ireland for for just a few days. Yeah, but it's totally is, different. I it's guess it's really random. Yeah. Yeah, and can I ask? Like, so I'm trying to think. I used to, uh, when I was a kid, like most kids, you, you you kind of like have your your flirtations with music, right? Mm-hmm. Some people maybe like you get further in and you know really like develop that and hone your skill, etc. But my my first in- instrument, I can't remember exactly why. But was a keyboard, right? Yeah. Because that's like, yeah, you know, it's, it's kind of like cool or whatever. Uh, and then it leads to the, basically there's almost two options in front of you. There's either you learn the piano or you learn guitar. guitar. Um, so I think you see where my question is going. Yeah. How, how did you end up playing the cello? I actually started with Baroque flute. Okay. <laughs> because my mom, my mom, she, um, she was a teacher. Now she's in retirement, but she was a teacher. Uh, as a nine to five, and then music teacher uh, as well. Yeah, okay. she was like language and geography history teacher, you know. But okay. then um, she was a mandolin, a mandolin player mm. and a baroque wow. musician. So she was really into baroque music. And I remember that I grew up with her playing the baroque flute wow. in front of us to make to make me and my sister to get to sleep. And <laughs> so I was like. I like that. Let's do that as well. So she started to teach me the flute. Then I started to sing. I started to take piano lessons. And then there was a choice uh, in a school to choose between various instruments. Like there was for sure piano, flute, saxophone and cello. Mm -hmm. I really wanted to learn saxophone Mm. so hard because I wanted to be as Lisa Simpson, you know, and be that crazy jazz musician with the saxophone. But for some reasons, I finished to play cello and I never left it from like 15, 16 years. So yeah. Yeah. What is it about the cello that you I mean, it's a cool instrument. I'm not like we were taking that away, but I'm just like you don't, you don't see hundreds of people walking it's down the road every day with yeah. a cello on their back, like you did when you arrived. Yeah, <laughs> I feel like for for the relationship that I have now with the instrument is part of me. 
Like now I could never live without playing the cello for more than two weeks. Like if I don't practice for two weeks, that's too much for me. Like I feel that I need to to do something and then and I feel that I need it for myself. It's like oxygen, it's like air. And but the cello itself I don't know, like is the best instrument in the world. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, I can't compare it to anything else. Uh, maybe it's because I'm so in love with, with the instrument in itself yeah. that I can't, at the moment I can't think about to play anything else. Like, and I always make this joke with my friends that I play a lot of instruments with four strings, like ukulele, banjo, cello, violin, a little bit as well, but I can't play a guitar. Like for me, mm. there are too many strings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> fair, Yeah, fair. you know, so. How did, like, those... How did music, I guess, mm. help you to find your feet here and um, find your community here? Yeah. Like, I'm assuming, and I could be wrong, um, that you didn't know anybody before you came here? No, no absolutely anyone. Mm. Um, the first real people that I met here were my Italian group of friends, mm. where, which I'm still hanging with and I love them, they're my family. Um, but then I found a way to meet a person that helped me quite a lot to go in the right places, to know the right places to go and and to know the right people. Mm -hmm. And and then I just started to go to these places. I started to play open mics and the community just grew and where was the first open mic that you played or one of them, can you remember? Uh, I think were server sessions. Mm -hmm. Once I was playing with Keenan Flannery. I don't know if you know, no. he's great, he's a songwriter, he's always, he's in love with the US lately, so okay. he's, yeah, he's, every summer he's in the US, uh -huh. uh, but I played with him, to an open mic with him, and there was this possibility for me to do like five minutes of session, you know, before the session that I had with him, and I just did it, and I just threw myself, I was shaking, I was so nervous for that, and it yeah. was March, I think, I arrived here in November. It was probably March, April that I did that thing. And then yeah. from from that May, I started to have more gigs around. So it was a matter of a month that I started to do more things. So yeah, like within that community. And so, so hang on, so this is, you came November, this must be 2021. One. Yeah. This uh, is my second year. This is your second year. So you haven't like gone, I totally hate this place and, and I've left yet. Not yet. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, yeah. <laughs> you know, but I but mean, can you can you tell me a little bit about that, right? Because yeah. there's one thing yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I will say, because uh, I've spoken to people on this podcast before, and I know Dublin's not perfect, right? I totally get that, and I, I know it. I feel it myself sometimes, and sometimes I know people are having bad experiences, and they come on the podcast, and they're like, "Oh, Dublin's great," and they, you know, is this? And I was like, it's okay to say something negative about it too, mm -hmm. because people who are listening to this, they might actually be like, well, they want to hear the truth. Um, and everybody has an individual truth, of course. Mm -hmm. um, but what, what is, I guess, your, your truth when you're feeling towards it? Well, I love Dublin. Mm -hmm. I love Irish people. It's mm -hmm. insane, like how friendly you are, guys, mm -hmm. and welcoming. Mm -hmm. I never, I think, probably Italians. We're we're really close on that, you know. We're yeah. really warm, and um, so I love that that thing. Um, I love Ireland in itself, but <laughs> mm -hmm. um, 
Ireland is an island as yeah. well, so it's limited. So yes. at the moment, what I'm feeling sometimes as a musician is that it can offer a lot. There are a lot of crazy venues here, but it's here. Like there is, it's harder to. You don't have many possibilities to go out, you know. Yeah. And I moved abroad in another country to find new possibilities. I'm finding them, but it's still not enough. And yeah. probably it's just, it's just me. I don't know. It's too small. It's small, yeah. Yeah, it is small. Yeah, um, it has to offer a lot, but it's still compressed. If that makes sense. We were. Um, I can't remember if we were talking about this on the podcast. These days, I never know if I'm having conversations on podcast or off <laughs> podcast. But we spoke about New York uh, before. I think we started recording. Um, yeah. That you were recently in New York, anyway. And I'm thinking. I'm wondering, is that something that's on your mind? A place like as big as New York. Yeah, I thought about moving there when I was there. Um, I mean, I went there to see if it was a town for me to move. Mm-hmm. It's not. Too it's big. Too big. Yeah. I grew up in the countryside, mm. so for me, don't be able to see the the sky, you know, because of there are these high building everywhere. It was too much, too yeah. overwhelming. So I need the land. I yeah. need to see the trees, to see, you know. The sheep and just <laughs> the yeah. nature, you know. Yes. Uh, so that would be even too much. But like I, I'm thinking often to go back to Italy for a while, mm-hmm. or even I don't know Netherlands. I don't know. Yeah. For now, I'm good here, but it, it's starting. I know that there are a lot of people that after five, six years, they are not from here. They want to move and go away. Yeah. You know. So it's many people. This is the thing as well that is hard about Ireland to have real connections with mm-hmm. people, you mm-hmm. know, um, yeah. because everyone leaves at a certain yeah. point. So yeah. this is something, and I saw something really important that crossed my mind before is that musical-wise, probably we talked about this when I came to the podcast as well, because I remember that probably was, <laughs> was about that. That is really, there isn't, that much competition in Ireland. Like everyone uh-huh. is super friendly, super nice. Yeah. Too friendly and too nice. Okay. There is competition, but it's it's not interesting. It's not the fire that makes you makes you feel I have to do better. You know, I have to. You want to hate more. someone. Yes, it helps. <laughs> you want a Shelbyville. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's I mean, funny. You know, I have my competitors. You know, I build in my mind my competitors to say, okay. She's doing like this, this guy is doing like that. I want to do different. I want mm. to do better. Yeah. Because it, it helps you to grow. Otherwise yeah. otherwise it can be overwhelming as well to see, oh no, this guy is better than me mm. or this girl is doing it in this way and I would never be able to do it like that, you know. So yeah. it's helpful as well to understand what the others are doing to grow yourself. What is it that is like driving you? Like what's where where's that inner motivation? Why do you feel like you have to Maybe this seems like a stupid question, but no. why do you feel like you have to can be bettering yourself to such a level? Hmm. I think it's more self-growing. Like, I don't know, like being a musician brings you to study and to learn something new every day. And I feel that if you stop on doing that, you just feel stuck in a situation, in a condition that is not creative, mm-hmm. you know, and musicians are creative. 
yeah. are creatives, all of us. Yeah. So I think it's more that, it's more my travel and learning and travel and growing and, and to learn something new every day and then and to do it because I want to, because I feel that I'm never, that I, n- I will never arrive, I will never know enough. Yeah. You know, and I will never have done enough. Mm. It's it's interesting, like I am um, an interesting perspective. I wouldn't have like a similar um, perspective. Sorry, that's not true. <laughs> but it's it's a different it's a different outlook on more or less a similar thing. So obviously, I'm not talking about music, but when I um, have done something, mm-hmm. finished something, whether it be a project or um, even one of our live shows and stuff like that. I always think of how can the next one be a bit better and if it, it has to be better. Yeah, that's the uh, way. Even if it's the tiniest thing, like the way that we let people in the door. Yeah. You know, I was like, oh, you know, last time like five people came down and no one said hello to them and they just sat down. And that shouldn't happen ever. So how can we like make that never happen? Okay, someone stand on the door and your job is to say hello. Um, and it's just, I think little things like that is is healthy. Um, it's interesting that you talk about competition. You remind me of, have you ever seen that um, Michael Jordan documentary? Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen that? No, no. no. Oh, you should watch it. If you like, com- like <laughs> it's, it's on Netflix. It's on the, let's call it the Last Dance, but he essentially <laughs> would create these enemies in his head. Mm-hmm. Um, and so somebody was, he was walking off the court with somebody at one point in his career. And the guy like said nothing, like said something stupid to Michael Jordan, but Michael Jordan lied to his self and to his team mm. and said, this guy said something bad about us and the team. Mm. Well, he didn't actually. And uh, so then his whole thing was revenge, revenge. And like he, would, still have an enemy he would feed yeah. off that. That was his, like, it was, as somebody said about him, like he was the ultimate competitor in the sense that he wouldn't like be happy if he just beat you by you know, one or two points. He has to like, yeah, you know, put his foot in your throat while you're on the floor, kind of thing. Yeah, um, that's cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I won't be like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I can understand how Dublin isn't the place for that. It's too, you're right. It's too small. Um, and he's too friendly. I mean, he's amazing. I, I love yeah, friendliness, yeah, 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 but he's too nice, too yeah. sweet. And yeah. you're not people that like to fight. Like, I, I mean, I'm Italian, you know, so we're yeah. really passionate and really. Um, confrontational yeah yeah we are yeah. like that we're really dramatic in general in our lives so for us having a fight is important like now in general I'm, I'm doing I am like taking in general all my yeah. country is not like that like I feel the probably the passion and then the energy comes from that as well so it's not just me but it's because because I grew up there you know and there it's just a cultural thing as well i think i think that's interesting because i would agree with that Mm -hmm. in um that irish people although might i be very emotional and can be passionate but it's not the same it's It's quite reserved yeah Um, that's the point and it'll come out at different times in different moments yeah but we don't let it out easily because when it does come out it often comes out and uh, maybe it, it could be in in forms of like crazy parties or it could be in sad moments or it could mm. be anger or whatever and it's kind of almost a more you do it mostly in a more intimate setting or in a kind of festival kind of setting where it's not a daily thing that's what i'm trying to say yeah, yeah. it's not something that happens for irish people on a daily basis and just from observing 
even like the likes of Italians. Like I see you guys having like a passionate conversation over what I see as like it could be the color of a pen. Like what's your favorite color <laughs> of a pen? And oh. yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I've seen people getting so into that yeah, type yeah. of comment and I admire it. I was like, wow, that's amazing how much they care about this. Yeah. Um, and I'd be like, I just don't have the energy for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, we grew up, I mean, even, even how much we use the hands, you know. Now, yeah. now I'm not doing it that much because I'm here for a while, but every time I go back to it, I'm shocked to see the people yeah. using their hands to, to even have a discussion of what to buy in the grocery shopping, you know. Mm. Like, so, yeah, I feel that that's quite different but when I was in New York I saw that kind of good competition as well but it was it was more mm, more creative I don't know not more creative uh, there are crazy artists here like oh my god Irish has uh, Ireland has a lot to offer um, but yeah I mean I mean there's gonna be the, just by the sheer quantity of people yeah probably um, the sheer quantity of venues yeah and yeah, also yeah, yeah the amount of people that will be in a venue on a, yeah. on a night out um, that in itself is going to create I mean there'll be musicians from all over the world going to New York yeah. I think maybe and uh, I could be wrong particularly in your space with kind of where? I'm not in your space but I'm not saying that a cello is associated with jazz and I know that your thing is not necessarily jazz mm-hmm. but um, that it would be kind of like in that bracket of instruments am I wrong? Oh, sorry, I didn't know where, where. So that the like uh, the instrument of a cello. Uh huh. Um, not that that's associated with jazz music. Oh no, no, of course, no. But now, actually, uh, I'm discovering that it, it kind of is yeah. not as other instruments. Obviously, I mean, mm. cello in, in the common idea is a classical instrument, like per per. As it is, like okay. if you think about a classical instrument, to sing violin, mm-hmm. or I don't know, probably flute. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What do you think if you have to think of about classical music? I think of the two guys, you know, just, the oh, guys the, just yeah. the <laughs> yeah. yeah, as well, you know. <laughs> but like in the orchestra, the cellos are are the more proud ones yeah. usually, and mm. usually cellists are really proud of being classical musicians, if they are classical musicians. So in general, the cello is, is that classical music, the classical instrument as it is. But actually, lately in the last year and a half, I discovered that there are a lot of other ways to play the instrument. And even if you think about the two cellos, I don't know if you mm-hmm. if you know yeah. them, like they broke a wall. They broke. Mm. They do rock and roll. You know, there are two crazy yeah. guys from Croatia. Yeah. But like they broke something mm. and they opened lots of possibilities not just to me but to lots of other people and there are crazy artists everywhere like even here in june there was abel serokoi he's a south african cellist he's based in manchester but now he's doing african music with the cello and wow. orchestras and he's, he's what's he's, his name abel serokoi okay i think this is a pronunciation set of two i don't know I'm not sure yeah but he's great, and in UK there are a lot of artists. In U in US there are a lot everywhere. And now I'm discovering as well a safe network of 
cellist to do something else. And there is a festival in Amsterdam every two years. It's called Cello Biennale. Okay. Where there are a lot of experimentations, a lot of jazz cellists as well. So actually there is that word. It's really a niche one. You need to look for that and you need to be probably part of that family to really understand what they're doing. Mm-hmm. But it's the same for jazz music. Like you can really enjoy jazz music but if you're not a musician, if you're not a jazz musician, you don't understand what they're doing and what they're saying. Okay. So I think it's more or less, if it makes sense, what I'm trying to say, that yeah. it's the same thing. It's a niche thing, but there is, and has always been, even in the 70s. Like there was this crazy uh, US chalice. He was recording with James Brown as well. Mm-hmm. And she has a string quartet of her. She's still alive and she's in her 70s, I think. And she's still recording, she's still doing jazz, and she's still active. Mm. And she follows me on Instagram, so I'm like, oh, cool. oh my god, when, when, when she followed me, I couldn't believe myself, but this is insane. And this is the safe, the, the, the healthy networking that I'm talking about. Well, like, yeah. we are not that many in the world that are doing that yeah. professionally or like in, in a better way, you know? So, because we're not that many, we follow each other, we write to each other, uh, we give tips to each other. So there is a small community in the world. Like I have contacts everywhere in at the moment. So That's really cool. It's so cool. Yeah. yeah. There you yeah. go. How random. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Super random. Good way to like travel the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah we there you go. Who would have known? Um, what, what's the <laughs> ultimate ambition though? Um, like, again, you learn the guitar, you want to be the next... Guns and Roses. Yeah, Yeah. What is because I've seen you play before, which is amazing, and obviously to me it's not a very traditional way to play the the cello, and mm-hmm. um, you're almost like a singer songwriter, but yeah. with a cello. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if that's where you ultimately want to go. Um. Well, my dream, and I'm working on that here in Dublin at the moment, is to have. I'm working on my songs, so I'm a songwriter as well. And I started to work with a producer here in Dublin. I had a producer in Italy, but long story short, he disappeared. So I had to find struggles to find another producer. I found this crazy guy. Mm-hmm. And so I'm working on my stuff and I'm working with a string quartet. So my dream oh. is to build a strong string quartet and to work on my things and go around with them and, and travel and have tournees if, if possible, obviously. Tours, sorry. Yeah. And have tours around. So I just string quartet bought with my songs. So, and I'm already writing for string quartet. Like obviously I, I study music, I study composition a little bit as well. So I know how to manage the strings. Yeah. And I work with string quartets, so I know how, how it works. Yeah. That would be like uh, amazing so, to see. Yeah. Yeah. So let's see. There is something coming up. Maybe it's a long, it's a long thing that is going to pop. It's, it's been postponed for a while, but maybe, maybe in the, in the new year of February. Well, as soon as there is, and, and fingers crossed, I'm, I'm going to reach out, and you can, you can. I would be amazing if you could do the show yeah. at one point. Well, we'll see. Thanks. Anyway, yeah. uh, I know maybe a lot of things have to happen before that. But yeah, it's a long process. Yeah, it would be so so cool. Uh, before you off and do world's domination, New York and, <laughs> and London and all these places, yeah. we get get you in for one more life in Dublin show. Will be amazing. Um, 
how you said that you the Italian people that you met here there that circle had been like your family yeah like, they're important hundred percent and how did you meet them so obviously you got to meet the kind of music community through you know actively being involved with music but um well, I, I'm just curious it's just like yeah. do you like announce that you're Italian and then like a lot of Italian people just appear and no everyone not no actually I'm the only musician of the group so they're all they're all you oh, know really? I, I'm the artist of the group they're all in IT or some, I mean the usual jobs that you can find in Ireland um, in Dublin um, like just we I had a friend in common with one of them and I actually met them after two days that I was here. Like, I arrived, oh. arrived on a Thursday, I think, and on the Saturday, handout with one of them. And this one, they now moved to Berlin, but, like, this guy introduced me to everyone. That mm-hmm. night, I forgot all the names after 10 minutes. Obviously. Yeah, boys. And then we just, we just started to hang out. We're doing Christmas dinners and Easter. Nice. We meet whenever. Mm. Yeah. That kind of family away from families is important when yeah. you're living in another place and as well to share traditions you know even just have we had an easter together mm. and it's something i mean he's lived a lot here as well but not in a different way obviously than in italy we eat different things as well like for us we have a lot of the culture of the food in italy is really yeah. important for us but as well we have particular kind of foods they are eaten just in particular moments of the year. So, mm. like, to, I come from Bologna. We have tortellini, which are mm-hmm. aioli, basically, with yeah. garlic inside, and they are typical from Christmas. Like, you don't eat them in July. You can, but it's okay. Like, you're a son of the devil if you eat them in July. No. So. I used to love. Sorry, it's just I was kind of no, laughing no. in my head there. Uh, I when I used to teach English. I used to really enjoy teaching Italians because uh, there's one uh, national, like for certain nationalities, you might say you kind of joke with them, but they can kind of take it personally. Yeah, we so do. you uh, you just don't do it. But with Italians, they never really took it. Like you could easily like just have a bit of a laugh. So I always used to say I didn't think Italian food was very nice. Uh, just, just as a joke, I obviously love Italian food, but I just love, I just their reactions were was just the best, the best. Like you get, like you wouldn't even need a lesson plan. You just walk in and say that, and they'd be talking, they'd be like no, screaming no, at you no. for the like, next forty minutes. You're like, yeah, that's my job done. <laughs> well, because you know, for us, sitting on a table and eat is a moment of sharing. So it's yeah, so yeah. important. Like, how many times? When I was a teenager, my, I was just hanging in my room, you know, doing my business. And my dad came, smashing, slashing the door and said, come to me, turn to dinner. This is the time we have to go to get, we have to stay together for dinner and we need to eat all together. So that, that was the only moment, you know, during the day where we could share mm. something that yeah. maybe wasn't, we, we weren't neither talking, like there was a news on the telly, you know, we were just yeah. watching the news, but we were all together at the table. So. For us, food is sharing. That's why it's so important, I feel, to eat good food as well, because mm-hmm. you're sharing something good, and you're sharing mm-hmm. something that makes you feel better, you know? That's why probably we are so caring about the quality of what we're eating. Like, well, I mean, not the quality of what we're eating, but because we care that much about, yeah, the quality of the food, and, and we mm-hmm. know that the Italian food is. The yeah, best it's amazing, yeah, it's so- unbelievable. Uh, 
so I it, I kind of feel like I don't I've only been to Italy twice mm-hmm. um, where have you been um, well so I, I say three times technically I was in Milan as a kid but I don't really count that time um, and even though actually it was the first time I was ever drunk in my life um, in Milan drunk is a strong but tipsy anyway okay um, yeah because I went there with my school to play rugby and uh, when I was like 13 or 14. Okay. And stayed with an Italian family. And it was that very stereotypical. Like they brought us to dinner with the family, but it was a huge, long rectangular table, like huge. Yeah. And there's like 400 people there in my head, but <laughs> I actually, I think there was probably about 15. And so it was myself and another one of my uh, teammates who was staying with the same family. Mm-hmm. And the dad gave us, or somebody gave us a uh, limoncello afterwards oh, ah, uh, I think he thought it was hilarious because we were Irish so yeah <laughs> oh my God. I wasn't drunk but I remember like walking down the stairs going oh this feels a bit different um, so yeah I blame the Italians <laughs> <laughs> but uh, then I went to um, last year I went to uh, excuse my pronunciation no, uh, Cinque Terre Cinque Terre oh it's oh, beautiful wow, wow. Yeah, it's that funny. was one of the best holidays of my life mm. because uh like we hiked from town to town. Sorry, yeah, it's, yeah, it's hike uh, from town to town, and then you're like, it's that's your hike, your like... exercise or whatever for the day, and yeah. then you have like an amazing lunch. You go find your Airbnb, and then you just chill out for the rest of the day, and then you repeat that. So there's no kind of like just sitting on the beach kind of shit. Um, I mean, there is that. It as well. You can, can obviously do so with that. So yeah. we did this year. We went to um, Barry. Oh, wow. Then we didn't stay long in Barry. We stayed, went to Monopoly, uh, Ostuni, and some other place that I'm forgetting right now. In Sanento, all that part. Yeah, or um, Apoglia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I think but, I saw some Instagram stories as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, like, oh, yeah, wow. that. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, but I have to say, I did. I probably preferred. Cinque Terre mm. just because of that aspect of the hiking yeah. it's beautiful I compared it to like five hoats it's like walking from hoat you know mm-hmm. very, but more colourful mm-hmm. obviously nicer weather um, and potentially better food potentially <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah yeah it was it's great but anyway my point of this is that I feel like there's a hell of a lot more to Italy to discover Mm. Hopefully next year I get to go to Rome, which again is going to be totally different to those two places yeah. that, as I've never been there before. And, and if you can go to Rome, cut yourself a day or two for Naples as well. Oh yeah, it's a world apart, so be careful. Mm. But it's the soul of Naples is something. Naples is something crazy, and you have the Vesuvius there, and you have always the, this volcano that you never know if it's going to erupt or not, you know? Okay, great. Yeah, <laughs> safe. Yeah. No, it is it's beautiful. Rome is great as well. My sister lives there, so I'm often I'm often there to visit her, and mm. you sure? Yeah, I can yeah. give you some tips of places I to eat. I would love that. Yeah, sure. yeah. Yeah. yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Um, and why? Because I've heard there's a little bit of a divide between northern Italy and southern Italy yeah. so the fact that you're just recommending going to the south of Italy from a person from the north is kind of going counter so what, what what's the story there? Uh, well Italy has a really long story you know after the Roman Empire we were divided in different regions in different brains mm-hmm. and the southern part was in the head of the Spanish 
uh, reign as well. Okay. Was under the Ottomans, was under the Greek as well. Was like, like everyone took the south of Italy. The north was more rich and it has always been more rich. And mm. when, um, when Italy became a country as well, the capital has been in Turin. Okay. And then moved to Rome. Mm. But because it was in Turin, when was the reign, then became Republic. When was the reign? Um, because it was in the north, it kind of de- developed more mm. the northern part. Even the train connections are worse after Rome. Okay. Even after Bologna, which is literally, if this is Italy, you know, uh, Bologna is here, mm-hmm. Rome is here, and from here, the train connection is the worst. It's really? really bad. So even you've been in Puglia after Bari, you don't have trains anymore. Yeah, yeah, like... yeah pretty much. I noticed that. So still better than here. Uh, yeah. but... <laughs> so it's famous for us. A lot of people from the south emigrate to the north. Mm. And people from the north emigrate north or in other countries or Europe, you know. Okay. This is what I'm what I did actually. But yeah. I love the south of Italy. I think I really think that that's the real Italy. Like you've mm. been in Milan. For me Milan is not Italy. For me yeah. the body is Italy. Hundred percent. Mm. Or Naples is Italy. Like you can find it's not just for the food but for the people as well. We are warm people. And usually the northern parts of Italy, the, the people from the north are colder and more served. Yeah. But where I mean, even mm, mm, reserved for the Italian standard. So yeah. obviously we're friendly, we're chatty, but less than people from the south. Yeah. 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 Um, there were some things that I noticed that you like you wouldn't really see here anymore. When I went to, I can't remember the name. We ate these things that were like an empanada, but like they weren't. They were like a little bit of, like kind of meat. They were. But like, do you know, like a fried? Yes. Panzerotto. Panzerotto oh. or panzerotti or whatever yeah, style. It's so good. Yeah, it's really good. The one you eat, though, you're like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're hard melt, to eat. Melts <laughs> everything. Yeah, they're brilliant though. So um, good. Oh, I don't know. Well, I found this place. My mouth is actually watering thinking about it now, but it was like real kind of like just nothing special place, um, but full, absolutely full of people, and I thought it was really cool because. There was an old man obviously serving, uh, or not obviously, but there was an old man serving behind the, the counter and he had his family pictures on the wall. So you're like, right. I was looking on the wall, I was like, there's like like wedding photos. I was like, oh, that's that guy. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just like, this is really unusual because this is really his house, yeah. you know, where he's welcoming you into his house to eat. Um, and it's these Panzerotti things. And like, obviously it's probably one of the best in Bari and it was just a really nice experience. I felt like it was really kind of authentic as opposed to going to, you know, yeah. whatever. Uh, it's, it's cool to experience that side of Italy too because I think that maybe is different to the north, as you say. It's a little bit more like we have to be professional and stuff and you wouldn't put your wedding photos on the wall. No. Yeah. There's no time to waste. Like he's famous because in Milan, they, they're always rushing, you know. Yeah. It's really close to London as mm. it's not Italy. Like it's yeah. Switzerland. It's something else. Yeah. So... I mean, we're slow, we take our time to do things, we arrive late, you yeah. know, we're not, we're never in time usually. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, if you think about the, like the most typical Italian restaurant, you can think about the, like even the towel with the, you know, the, how are they called in English? Oh my God. The red, red and white. Like yeah. a, a napkin? 
Ja, kind of. The napkins, the towels on the table and the pictures of the family around, mm. uh, soccer team flags, everywhere, yeah. you know. So we're really like that. And, and yeah, I think it's really part of us as well to make feel everyone in the family. Like, even the idea of family for us is huge. Yeah. Do you feel um, even like more Italian when you're out of Italy? Yeah. yeah. Same thing happened to me with. with I mean, yeah, with, not not yeah. more Italian, but more proud. Yes. Like I discovered, I'm yeah. I'm so proud of Italian yeah, yeah. <laughs> when I'm yeah. here, and I I wasn't like that when I was when I was out when I, when I was down. Like when when I'm down, I'm not that proud just because probably I'm I'm there, you know. But here, I'm the most typical Italian person ever. You can find that things that the Italian cheese is best of the French one, you know, that yeah. the Italian wines are the best ones in the world. There is nothing better than Italians. Yeah. So we are like that because we're proud. We're not, we have had a lot to offer. Now mm. it's not like that anymore, but. Why do you think that? Like. In terms of economic opportunities, stuff like that. In or? terms of a lot, like it was, I was listening to a podcast actually a few days ago and there was this guy that was saying how much Italy grew up and gave a lot of examples in the 60s and the early 70s mm. like if you think about Ferrari the, mm. all the car companies all um, Bulgari Gucci Dolce Gabbana they all came from like ages ago you yeah. know and now we're still there's still this myth of the Italian 60s, Italian 50s, but it's not like that anymore. Like even Cinque Terre is a crazy place, but it's really, it was really famous in Italy. In, it has been always been really famous, which was really famous in that time as well. That time, okay. Yeah. And like the Vans Park, if you think about the motorcycle, mm. it's, it's common, the imaginary idea of just running on the Italian coast with the Vespa, you know, with, yeah. the, with this car that floats back or in a cabriolet, the cigarette, you know, mm. but it's not now. Yeah. You can do that. Like I did in Capri with my friends in mm. August, you know, and it's insane. Like you can do it every time, but it's something, it's, it's an idea that came in the fifties, sixties. And now it's, in, we don't, we're not offering anything new to the world. We did so much in the past mm. that I feel that now is, we are still too much focused on what we did and we're not really. So is that kind of like strong identity of like the stylish, almost industrial as well? Because, you know, the, like when I yeah. say industrial, I mean, um, like obviously a lot of car manufacturers there. Yeah, um, but even if you think about like the artisan, artisanal things, mm. like we're famous because we do good, things with our hands like if, if it's made in Italy like a jacket made in Italy it's like wow made in Italy. You know, I don't know this is my idea but to me like it's uh, the Italians have as you said a lot of passion but a lot of and um, so that passion is then translated into like a real attention to detail on those sort of things whether yeah. it's food yeah. um, but like so how do I explain this but it's a, a simplicity in the passion as well like Italian food is also not that complicated. No, I think true. the whole secret of Italian food is it might be only three or four ingredients in the meal, <laughs> yeah. but those three or four ingredients are done like almost to perfection from the point of when they come out of the ground or the animal or whatever. And 
has presented to you on a plate, it's done to a different level because they really uh, care. You get this in Spain to a certain extent as well. Yeah, it's, um, it's the same. Because like I've n- never seen that, as a, particularly with food, like that real passion for something that I can think of as just basic and simple. But then actually it's that passion that makes the thing beautiful. And essentially there's that with fashion as well, I think. Um, Italian yeah. fashion and whether <clears throat> they're designing jackets and etc. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. I would have thought that 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 mentality still exists obviously there's old architecture as well in Italy mm-hmm. but you know that's even going back further um, but it's interesting you say that you feel like that's not really there anymore I mean it is for the traditions but like we lost we have always been a country with lots of traditions obviously because we are so different between each other we are a huge country we are yeah. more than 60 million people you know and we have, as we said before, a lot of differences between North and South. But because we were split in different countries and different reigns, every reign has had his own traditions for the saints, for example. Like, it's really common in Italy to find uh, in Bari, San Nicola. They take mm. a statue of San Nicola through the town, mm. and they say, San Nicola va per mare, because San Nicola goes in the sea. Mm-hmm. So they carry this statue for the whole town till the... Um, to the port, mm-hmm. to the harbor, and then they let flow San Nicola, the statue, in the sea. And this is something that you can't find in any other town because San Nicola is the the saint from Bari, is mm-hmm. the, the guard from yeah. Bari. Yeah. yeah. And but we have lots of traditions like that. Like my parents had just moved to Sardinia, which is one of the two wow. islands that we have, yeah, yeah. which is great. Like Beautiful. I love that place. Yeah. <laughs> so cool. And in Sardinia, they have a motones, which are these kind of, I don't know if they are actually spirits or demons or something, but they they dance and they have these really cool dresses, cool clothes, and then they have bells. So it's something that you can find only in that place. And we're full of these things. We were full of these things. Lots of these things actually that disappeared because I don't know. I feel that we're kind of losing a little bit of identity for mm. these particular really traditional things. But I was when I was in New York, I we walked to Little Italy with this friend of mine and because why not? Mm-hmm. <laughs> of course. Why not? And I discovered there that actually some of these traditions that we lost in Italy, they're still on in New York. Well or yeah. in other parts of US. So probably when we moved in the 20s, in the 50s, actually more, when when the Italians moved from, from Italy to to US, they took with them some traditions that now we lost, but they're still active in really small communities yeah. around, you know? Yeah. So this uh, is, is... It's important as well. And it's yeah. like, so I've even been noticing, or this is a thought that came into my head the other day, that... Um, because we, I think, I think even in Italy, or Ireland will be much worse than Italy in terms of having or looking after its traditions, like it's real. Yeah, but like, I like, sorry, sorry to interrupt you, but like, I love what you do for Halloween. Mm. Like the fire, it's mm. something so deep and it's something of yours. Halloween is an Irish thing. Yeah, you know? but here's my point. Yeah. We don't, some people might do that, but a lot of people skip it. 
Mm. Um, like, mm. and I've had, I've noticed a few people recently talk about, you know, that seasonally, seasonal affective disorder, you know, yeah. when you yeah. change the clocks and it gets dark and people start feeling a bit blue. Yeah. Um, and I was kind of thinking about that and Halloween before. So imagine, imagine everybody, like you say, celebrated Halloween like it used to be celebrated, where, yes, everybody's around the fire. And it's a real kind of marking, yeah, okay, what, spirits, whatever, that's to one side. But it's a marking at, at the end of a season. That's basically mm. what it is. It's the end of one season and the beginning of a new season. On the depressive season. <laughs> yeah, but also, yeah. you like, it's preparing you, right? Because I was thinking about it like this. Imagine you, uh, someone just pushes you into the sea without you knowing it. You'd panic because your body's freaking out. It's too cold or whatever. But if you were like, okay, I'm going to get into the sea, you mentally prepare yourself. Sometimes I feel like that actually can really help. And even if it's, if it's something like going right, you take some time, basically. You take time out and you go, okay, this is the end of one. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I'm a bit disappointed somewhere is over. Instead of just going through life and like, okay, um, full of energy in the summer, meetings, uh, this gig, meeting that friend, going to that family, and then, yeah, Halloween grab or whatever do this do that and there's no marking of it there's no tradition of stopping and then a few weeks later you go oh, I fucking feel shit yeah yeah um, that's true we, we're not giving ourselves the time to understand what yeah 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 I agree so like yeah there's not there's not very much time for traditions anymore um, but I feel like that could be not great for us <laughs> yeah yeah I mean you lose your identity you know mm. Um, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, like especially if you if you move abroad, you know the country. Or I'm thinking like about little things that maybe my grandma was doing. You know, and like she was really romantic. Like she didn't want to leave. You know, the house on the table is something that or, or no mm. on the bed. Sorry, something that you can't do. Well, okay. for us, if you if the salt falls, you need to bring the salt and do this with the salt because oh, okay. it's like good luck. You know yeah. I mean, we are we are a lot like that. But like, even even these things, even being romantic, something so small, but something so typical. Mm. And now, it's not lived like that. Like I'm still carrying it with me, but just because I had the example at home, that for me, if we are thirteen. At a table, I have to stand and go to it in another room. You know, so Sorry. I can't do that. No, I mean, no. <laughs> I <can't laughs> do that. Right. No, no, no. <laughs> like if, I, if a black cat crosses the road while I'm driving, I'm like, no. <laughs> what does your mean? <laughs> Why are you doing this? Yeah. So. Do you not have like something that you do to like counteract that? <laughs> this is a really stupid thing that we do in Italy, but like. Um, you know the this this sign like okay. if pointing your like it's just a people listening that's pointing your index finger with your baby finger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's like this is sign of good luck basically. Okay. So if like a funeral car, you know the one that has mm -hmm. the the bear in the back crosses the road, and you do this, you're like mm, fighting the death, like you're saying go away, don't don't come mm -hmm. here, you know. Yeah. It's like knocking on wood. It's the same idea, but for us. Okay, yeah, <laughs> it's the rock sign, basically. 
Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Um, we, I have one here that, so I don't know if you know, do you know what a magpie is? Uh, those black and white birds that you see oh, fairly, yeah, sorry. fairly yeah. frequently. Um, so I, I don't know if you, you know this, but like there's the old um, rhyme of one for joy, two for sorrow, three for a girl, four for a boy, whatever, etc. So if you see one by itself, it's supposed to like sadness. Um, oh, that's so, cool. Um, I used to, to one, someone told me that one way of counteracting if you see one mm. is either to salute it or to like jingle if you've got keys or change in your pocket yeah. to jingle the change in your pocket yeah. so there came a point when I was about like 19 because I always had the logic of like yeah why not like so no like, one knows like just salute it like no I'm done right yeah. just do it and then everybody wins because if it's real it's not real it's fine you know it just, just keeps it anyway. but then it came a point where there was more magpies around and I found out I was driving down the road saluting things like there was like I was a crazy person <laughs> and I was like I think I have to like give this up <laughs> I, to give it I think I need to just like pretend it's just a bird <laughs> yeah um, yeah yeah but even these though though that's great but think about this with other 10,000 people, you know, that think they're thinking the same thing. And this is the way how the traditions are inspired. Yeah. Because yeah. there's no time or it seems stupid. You see something that is not, that it doesn't matter to do that, you know, because yeah. why, why do I have to do that? Why do I have to light a candle if someone passes, you know, this is something really, really Catholic, but it's something yeah. that actually would help as well, you know? Yeah. Or... I don't know, I'm thinking about the traditions, but I have many in my mind, but like, I feel that they're all disappearing just because as a society as well, we're running, we're always on, on the move, we're always with things. And if we have one free day, it feels that we're losing time to mm. be productive and to do things. But yeah. actually, it's important to have a break for your mental health as well. You know, you can't be yeah. always, always full of things to do. So. Um, 100% I think like that uh, it's very underestimated like people are talking a lot about mental health these days yeah um, and I think those little things have such a, the, an importance that we just that we sorry that we don't give importance to yeah um, and they give a sense of spirituality as well you know yeah and well, yeah. yeah I mean we're not machines we're not robots you know not yet no but like i mean we're human beings and we need to stop and then we're always from from when we started to be conscious we associated things to events you know to natural events like the sun for us was a god mm. thousands years ago years ago so we always associated nature and small moments to a benefit of our mental spiritual health you know mm. so now i think that we're losing that 100 percent. how do you um find the inspiration for your music is it like mm. uh, something like this that inspires you or is it like something that happened to you or uh, that's well like most of my songs are autobiographic just because it's easier for me to talk about my shit mm. <laughs> so. yeah. And I started to write song as a kind of therapy for myself to go over a few bad moments. And now I'm doing it. I like to tell stories. Yeah. So 
like one of the huge tips that I received was to sit on a, in a pub, have a pint or have a coke or anything, and just listen to the conversations around. Okay. And then tell those stories. All right, it's interesting. Mine, you know, and it ha- it works a lot. Because, oh, really? I mean, it's not my life, but I never know who others are, uh, is leaving something bad, you know. Next time I have a pint in the pub, I'm just going to look around to make sure yeah, I'm not there listening. Not there. <laughs> <laughs> With my notebook and everything. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so basically that, even, even spiritual-wise, like I'm, I'm going a lot in my spiritual moment right now. I'm in mm. that moment of discovering myself. And What does that mean? Because spiritual can mean a lot of different things, but what is it for you? Um, for me, is feeling like I don't know maybe maybe I'm just too focused on that but like I feel that sometimes even when you're listening to some kind of piece music wise and you feel in that energy inside you're feeling that wow this this passage is insane this mm. thing is something I don't know how it happened I, I don't know how he did it and how he made it possible and that m- mysterious part inside of music mm-hmm. for me is energy and I believe in energy is basically like mm. I feel that there is an energy between humans and nature and that we are all connecting in some ways uh, yeah well music anyway it's, it is actually energy right it's a form yeah. of vibration and yeah um, that's interpreted Frequencies. by the brain and all that kind yeah. of stuff so yeah, you can break that down and I think there's probably scientific proof for that so yeah um, which takes the magic out of it, though. Yeah, I um, know, but yeah. but at the same time, it makes it more interesting as well because it's like, okay, so there is a reason why I actually feel that. Like there are, um, technical wise, like there are there is a standard kind of tuning that we're using mm. with hertz, which is four forty, four forty two. Mm-hmm. Usually, that's the most standard one. But before, and this was settled for me to learn, because in that way, the mm. the soldiers would march faster i don't know like oh really i, I don't remember if hitler actually some maybe stalin okay. <laughs> some dictator though mm. and before that the general tuning was 432 430 which is lower mm. the frequencies are less fast mm-hmm. so the music was more relaxing baroque music is all tuned from 415 to 432 it's rare that we can find something tuned higher. That's why I don't know if you, if you know. I don't know if you listen to Baroque music, but if it happens, it's different. Pink Floyd, mm. they record a lot of songs with 432. Wow. Okay. Instead of 440. Yeah. Wow. That's why when you listen to Pink Floyd, you're like, wow. Floaty. Yeah. Yeah. There is a scientific reason as well. It's not just because we were crazy musicians, but like. Mm. I remember going to, uh, this is years ago, I went to, um, I think it's not a magician, he called himself a mentalist, maybe. Okay. This guy called Darren Brown. Uh, Very good. I'd never go to any of his shows ever again, but that's just because I was too afraid to be there. Um, Okay. Because it was like, it was a big crowd. Anyway, long story short, um, before the interval, he says, in the second half of the show, I'm going to try and put everybody into like a trance state. And I was like, I didn't sign up for this. And where did I, you know? Let's go. <laughs> yes, exactly. But anyway, I came back. And also I was like, 
very dubious like I doubted that this was possible like mm-hmm. how can he on a stage like he's like a little dot like he's ages away there's a massive crowd I was like how, how is it possible for him to do that um, and anyway he did the usual thing like follow my voice blah 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 you're going to hear something in a second uh, but just continue to follow my voice and relax and if you ever feel anything like with it, go with it don't fight it and I was like this is stupid like what the hell could possibly happen Anyway, what happened was this sound came on mm-hmm. and it was a deep, deep, deep vibrational sound. So I always try and like picture it. The way I picture it is if someone had like the biggest gong in the world and hit it underwater, right? Wow. And you have like, like just that really deep vibration. Mm-hmm. And I instantly started falling asleep. Um, and then also like panicking because I was like, oh my God, this is working. Um, but it was just the sound. And I, I fought it. Like there were some people that went with it, but I was like, there's no way. Cause I know he's going to make me do something stupid if, if this works. Um, but uh, like that was just, that was a, it wasn't music, but it was just, it was a vibration mm-hmm. um, or a vibrational sound interpreted by your brain. And for whatever reason, your, my brain is just like, go to sleep whatever it was I think he then explained it that it was some I think the Russians had discovered it during okay. some kind of like they used it for torture methods yeah. or whatever yeah. um, but it was it was crazy yeah. how that kind of and it's just a sound and it can like it have that direct effect yeah our frequencies like and mm. I think it affects the brain it's, it has something to do with the brain obviously mm. um, but yeah and there, are, I don't know if you know sound therapy. There is music therapy and sound mm. therapy. Okay. Sound therapists are the ones are, are the ones that use like um, the apazones or small instruments, even mm. the gongs. They can use them, you mm-hmm. know. And you just lay on the ground and they use the bells. They use lots of instruments with different frequencies. And then you just release stress. You can just release even body pains. Mm-hmm. There are some people that have, I don't know, injuries and they solve themselves. I don't really believe in those things. I don't think the sound can can solve a cancer or something. There are people that believe in that and yeah. I'm happy for them. For me, it's a bit too extreme. Yeah. But I know that actually relaxes like, and there are, we can find them on YouTube as well. If you if you struggle to fall asleep, just put some low frequencies. Some and, guy playing a gun. Yeah. yeah cool. Even for oral travels, you know. Uh, and not our uh, astral travel sorry you know astral, what like trips yeah trips I like, explain that when, when your soul leaves your body they use they use low frequencies because it keeps it holds your body down mm-hmm. and then you can really go and you can re-travel well there you go <laughs> yeah okay I have to give it a go so it's really yeah it's really well there's a lot to it so, yeah, yeah. I, just, I just imagine that, the, that there is it's fun. You should try. Yeah. <laughs> well, you do that on YouTube. Eh, no, I I found I found some frequencies that work for me. Like every person is different. But like I did I did it a couple of times. And mm. Yeah, it's really scary because you don't know what's happening. You know. Yeah, and that's just through sound and vibration. Yeah. Wow, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, but you need to be clear in your mind as well, obviously. So you don't have to be stressed or don't have to be have thoughts or anything. So, okay, yeah, yeah, interesting. 
I read, I read recently, um, there's, a, there's a book called 32 Words for Field. I don't know if you've okay. read it. Um, and essentially it's about the Irish language, but it's oh. also got like um, historical aspects to it as well. And he was actually saying that our Irish would have a lot more kind of guttural sounds. So a lot more like all these kind of things. Yeah, yeah. And he was saying that like this was, you know, before language was written down to differentiate words, you need you needed it to be more distinctive and guttural. And and then he also said that there's a theory. I'm pretty sure I read this in the book. Apologies if it was, I'm getting this from somewhere else. And I'm mixing two things up. But I'm pretty sure he said in the book that, you know, these like um, passage tombs that you find in Ireland mm-hmm. um, of like Newgrange or, or places like that, um, where these, he said that it's doubtful that they were actually tombs. And he's saying that if you go in there and speak, you'll have the same way, to be honest with you, it happens in a church too. Mm-hmm. If you like shout in a church, there's this like echo, right? There's this, it, it really, um, what's the word? Like elevates your voice. Mm-hmm. And he was saying the same thing happens in a passage to him. And he's saying that they've done some type of research on the effects on your brain. And especially if you use like deep guttural sounds like there would have been in the Irish language and sing oh, in the wow. Irish language. Um, it has this vibrational frequency that starts to generate within the passage tomb. And apparently they've done, you know, I, I don't think they, they would have like, um, as you say, astral trips, mm-hmm. but there is like a release of dopamine and serotonin yeah. and good feelings. And you feel like a new person when you yeah. come out of it. Um, they probably use those sounds as well to connect to the spirits, you know, the way when, I mean, when there were tribes and everything mm. everywhere. Yeah. Um, even... Uh, congas or even precautions that we use to connect to the spirits in the ritual. Yeah. So probably it was a way as well for yeah. this, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Is there anything like in like the cello being a, a very deep kind of frequency? Uh, the guy that we were talking before, Abel Senoko, he uses some really low frequencies with his voice while he's playing, but he knows how to sing in really gradual way and, and with low frequencies because he he's, he's typical from South Africa from the tribes. Mm. Well, wow. I, I can't do that, but like yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. kind of sounds. He's great. So, um, yeah. Now I'm thinking about pieces, which is more. There are lots of pieces where the cello is playing and there is this ancestral voice to singing on the top. Mm. from a woman like there is a piece from Vasques Peter Vasques it's okay. called Pianissimo I think I remember and it's pretty famous actually like there are few people that did it um, there is a channel that does crazy things it's considered classical music because he was a classical mm. contemporary classical composer um, there is a cello that does these crazy things and then there is this voice that there's a singer is a cellist so the performer needs to be the same person that does notes and, and different voices but, or as well there is an Italian cellist Giovanni Sollima is called he's from Sicily from Palermo mm-hmm. um, which does his compositions and he uses the voice as well and he does these kind of things as well so Oh, interesting. It's, and he he has grosser sounds as well, so he experiments a lot with his voice. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. It's really contemporary, so it's really something that you need to like. 
Yeah, but it's like yeah, <laughs> warning. Yeah, <laughs> but it's an int- it's another side or another use. We I think we we think of music as something we don't think it as fun- as functional. Yeah, most most of us anyway. Um, it's more just something to enjoy. Yeah, um, but actually, it was born like that. Like music yeah. was. I mean, now is entertainment, you know. Mm-hmm. But before was spiritual like was the way to connect to the gods and then to to give a tree booth to the gods yeah around the fire yeah that was that was music like mm. and the first instruments were bones you know oh. were like rants or animals yeah it was like that yeah so. it's an interesting point about you say that it's entertainment and this I'm, we might um finish with this one but i'd yeah, like to know yeah. your perspective um the I see some musicians these days, and I think it, it, I totally agree that they might have to do it. But um, they're using social media, and they're kind of laughing and joking around around their music. So, but basically, like they'll have their song or whatever, mm-hmm. and they might be kind of doing like you know just random like silly entertaining people yeah. essentially. Not it's not the music, but they're just like essentially grabbing your attention by doing something random or silly or funny or whatever. And then I think the logic is then you go and listen to the song, uh, which works. Um, and I think it's very good, and people should continue doing that, etc. But um, those people might be entertainers, like born entertainers. But then that's not always music, right? Yeah. Um... I had huge fights in my past about this. Well, now I have to read that I started to do that as well on Instagram, but it's because I need to entertain, I need to keep the attention of yeah. people. Otherwise, it seems that I'm not doing anything at all. I disappear for weeks. Like, I don't post anything for weeks. It's not because I don't want to or because I, I don't have time, but because I feel for my benefit that I need to to stop as well to publish things that are not music related because what's I mean what's the meaning of being a musician if you don't if you don't publish anything you know and yeah. if you don't propose anything interesting so I had huge fights about that because years ago I was strictly convinced that being a musician would, would was just about music yeah. But now it's not like that anymore. That's why I'm saying there is entertainment because if you're not if you're not able to hold the people, to hold the interest, you could you could be the best musician in the world. Yeah. But if you practice in your room and you never go out and people don't like you, I know yeah. it sounds really bad, but this is how it works. If yeah. you don't make yourself interesting for the people you would never have followers, if you make sense, which is not followers on socials, but followers as fans, people that follow you, that like what you're doing. So yeah. I find it really sad and unfair because there are a lot of crazy musicians that just don't know how to promote themselves or they don't yeah. have a way to, you know, yeah. because even economical wise is an expense that you yes. have to, you know. Yeah. Um, and there are a lot of funk musicians as well that they just don't, give a shit and they just do their music and then just go to jazz clubs or open mics or jam sessions actually they go crazy and then they get connection like that but is slower 
to go in that way than to use social medias. Yeah. But to use properly social medias, you need to be an entertainer. And I feel like that. And then, and to publish and to be on the on track and to don't to don't the other people to lose your your life in a certain way that you're still doing things like you didn't stop you know mm. and this maybe connects to the same thing that we were saying before that we are always moving that you yeah. always have to show something new yeah even if it's not music related but even if it's just a picture of like I don't like it but I do it sometimes as well just post a picture of myself and say something stupid you know mm. just because people know that I'm still there yeah well, it, it's sick like I feel it's sick but it's, it's but it's yeah but it's not though and maybe I, okay I can see how you can think that but mm-hmm. at the same time it's you can be cynical about it mm-hmm. or you can just accept that that's the way things are and maybe 40 50 years ago there was some type of equivalent like I don't, uh, this is a stupid example it's come to my head but maybe if I'm an unbelievable singer Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I don't want to have to fucking dress up like Elvis and move my legs around the place to be, you know, the next, maybe I'm better than Elvis, but I'm not like that. That's and a point. Maybe it's a silly example, but that's the nature of like how, you know, people yeah. get attention yeah. or how people, I think there's that, nothing is given to you, I don't think, in life. Ever. No. And you, did, you need to do lots of compromises. That's yeah, exactly. Exactly. It, there's compromises. Yeah. And like for me, sorry that I'm always so no, great. But like for me is clear the example like Bruno Mars, you know, mm. you know, the singer. Yeah. He started his career doing love songs and really like songs for teenagers that just broke with the girlfriend, you know, the mm. boyfriend. And then now he's doing... S- He's doing really what he wanted to. I feel he's doing funk. He's doing crazy things, and I'm so excited for the path that he did. And he's just one of many. Even the Beatles ages ago. Like, mm. do you think they like to go with those hair? Up, yeah. Their thirties. I don't yeah. know. Maybe they did. Maybe not. But then, mm. when the war in Vietnam started, they they were really experimenting and they were doing their own music in their own way. They were dressing up wherever they wanted just because they were famous enough and they had the followers, you know, they built their, they built the people around them. Yeah. And then they just decided to do whatever they wanted. And there are a lot, lots of musicians that do that. Lots of artists. Yeah. Even in the world, you know. Yeah. There's a lot of even successful people outside of music who do things like yeah. that. Yeah. Um, any Picasso yeah. he started doing real real life paintings still life paintings and oh, then really? he just chose okay why not I want to do I want to start with this new vision of the life yeah and he decided to he, he saw that there was another dimension and he started with the cubism there you go but let's see where your dimension of, of joy ends up that would be interesting yeah. to, to, yeah. to see where it goes I would always be Myself, though. <laughs> this way. I'm really interested to see, uh, I don't know if it says, but what happens with, with Luke and listening to that. Yeah, and, uh, me too. I'll be keeping an, an, an ear and an eye out for that. Um, hope that goes well. I hope everything else goes well. It was a really fun chat. Really enjoyed it. 
Um, Thanks, and hopefully we will have you at one of our shows again yeah, in the new year. For sure. That'd be really cool. Really cool. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Joy. Thanks, you. Have you ever Googled your own name? Prepare for a shock because your personal info, including addresses and phone numbers, is all out there. It's all harvested by data brokers and sold legally. Aura is a personal digital security service that scans the internet for your sensitive information and provides a full suite of privacy-enhancing tools. For a limited time, Aura is offering listeners a 14-day free trial at aura.com safety. That's A-U-R-A dot safety to learn more and activate the 14-day trial period.